to New Zealand Vegan Podcast, episode 140. The reason I'm doing this podcast is because I'm galvanized to do one. It's I really have some stuff to get off my chest. There are people who I really want to listen to this podcast because I have a message, but they're probably not the sort of people who listen to my podcast ever. So never mind. But I want to get it off my chest and it's out there in the airwaves and you never know, somebody might listen in a year or in two years or whatever because this stuff is just going to keep going on and on and on. This podcast is all about activism. It's about single issue campaigning, the property status, welfare you know, and single issues versus abolitionist activity, the usual stuff. But, um, and so... You know, I've probably said it before, but I have 140 episodes. I don't even remember what I've done. Um, You know, I'm only just going to get this off my chest. Um, It's partly galvanized because I heard another podcast, which was an interview on Bob Linden's podcast. He has a podcast. Well, he has a radio show, actually, and then they make a podcast out of it. And Gary Francione and Wayne Shung debated on the podcast, and... Bob participated in it as well. It's his radio show, and he and Gary were basically debating Wayne, who was representing an alternative position. Wayne keeps saying, I agree, we have so much in common, we have so much in common. I understand the property status, and then he clearly didn't understand the property status. I'm not going to go on and on about that podcast or break it down. I mean, I I could, but I think just go listen to it. I'll post a link. Um, I only listened to the conversation between Wayne, Gary, and Bob. Um, I didn't listen to the rest of the show, so I don't know what the rest of the show is, is like. So I'm just I'm letting you know um, that it starts later on in the, in the show. But the reason that I'm galvanized to do this podcast is because it does relate to... It just... I may have said these things before on a podcast. Um, I'm sure I have a million, million times, but at the moment I'm I'm not... I'm in, still in my semester break. I'm, I'm actually um, working full time. Well, for free. I'm not getting paid, but I'm doing a placement full time. So, and I do have lots of homework that I'm procrastinating on, but it's nowhere near as intense as the semester. So, as you can tell, I'm doing more podcasts. And if you follow my Instagram, you'll see that I'm doing lots more cooking. <laughs> um, in, anyway, um, there's one. Yeah. So the the reason that I'm doing this is because it was I listened to that debate with um, Wayne, Chung, Gary, Francione, and Bob Linden. And, of course, I was talking out loud the whole time (laughs) because it's so frustrating. It really, really is. And I really have a message. I really do want this to be really, really clear. Maybe I haven't been clear enough about it. Maybe I have. Maybe I didn't really know. I almost Maybe I almost feel like I came to a definitive conclusion. I really want to say this now. Maybe I have more confidence. I don't know, but I'm going to get into it. I'm going to try not to waffle too much. Um, I'm just going to make a brief note about something um, that I learned from Fairy Godmom, Fairy Godmom on Instagram, who calls herself an abolitionist approach vegan. So um, I like that idea because I am of the camp who does not want to erase Gary Francione, uh, like many, many, many people do. They just want to erase him from the history books. They have learned everything they want to learn from him. But they invent some kind of conflict in order to have a justification to never mention him again. This seems that way to me. This is my observation. I'm not going to be part of that. So, And also, um, although I refuse to let go of animal rights, I'm fighting to keep animal rights to actually mean animal rights. And that's why I never call these conferences the animal rights conferences. They are not. They are animal welfare conferences. And also, um, the word vegan is being corrupted and perverted and diluted and I'm still fighting I'm gonna fight for that word abolition yeah I, I do but because abolition is a it doesn't it's it's a word that it can be used in other contexts so it means eradicate you know would be one use of it and um, because um, it it's in other words there are people who might be who want abolition um, of all animal use and they don't support welfare reform, and they don't support single-issue campaigns, but they're pro-violence. In other words, they think that, you know, um, deadly physical force is is justified 
in the fight for abolition. So I don't agree with that at all. Um, the abolitionist approach that I agree with doesn't agree with that. So I'm happy to call myself an abolitionist approach vegan. It's going to take some getting used to, and I'm probably still going to just keep calling myself an abolitionist, but I like that idea. I want to keep the focus of what I do and where I come from on Gary Francione's abolitionist approach. I want that to be the marker where I point people to. And what what when I'm out here acting, you know, talking about all of these things, I learned them all from that work. I didn't come up with with any of it, okay? I just didn't. And that's fine. That is okay. So, yeah, abolitionist approach, vegan, okay? And I'm going to try to remember to, like, update all my profiles and and just refer to myself in that way. Um, it's going to take some getting used to because for eight years or however long it's been, nine years, I don't know, I've been referring my, to myself as an abolitionist. Okay. It's actually ten years. No, really nine years. Okay. So, that's that out of the way. And so this is about this... I'm not going to break that podcast down, but if you listen to that, if you have a chance to listen to that interview and that discussion, debate, whatever you want to call it, between Gary, Wayne, and Bob, some of it's really relevant, and I might refer to it, but it, 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 I'm going to talk about my experience in New Zealand as an abolitionist approach vegan here, and some of the, the positions that I publicly take, the reactions that I get from the animal community here, the animal people's the people for animal, I'm not going to say animal rights, because always underlying everything is animal welfare. Though, you know, even the most supposedly radical seeming groups here, they all have ties with the welfarist group in New Zealand. They support it. They all engage in these single issue campaigns. And I have a message um, about, for example, at the moment there is an anti-rodeo campaign. And I completely oppose that campaign. I do not want that campaign to continue. And that is, that is my point that I'm trying to make. So one of, the biggest you know, one of the biggest criticisms of abolitionist approach vegans is the fact that we criticize the actions of the mainstream animal movement. So it's a little ironic because I'm all about public debate. I'm all about... And one of the things that Wayne said in the podcast, um, so I don't know if I said it, but Wayne Shung um, is the one of the leaders of Direct Action Everywhere, also known as DXE. Um, so I don't know if I said that. So uh, one of the one of the criticisms was we can't air our dirty laundry in public. So when we are criticizing other activists, we're airing our dirty laundry in public, and we're demoralizing and shaming them. There is such a huge misunderstanding, and, and Bob said it a million times in the podcast, and Gary also said it. There, it goes back to the original accusations leveled against Gary Francione when he first started writing about the abolitionist approach and about how the animal movement was being um, hijacked by welfareism and careerists. And that is basically comes down to the divisive accusation. You are being divisive. We need to stand united. We need to publicly stand united. No, we don't. I, I am, there is, I want the public to know that I oppose all this welfareist and single issue activity. I want, I love it. I love telling the public that. I don't think it undermines us at all. We're two separate movements. One is about uncompromising animal rights and another thing that people really really get mixed up is they say they don't believe in incremental change we don't believe in we're we're not realistic in other words the world ain't gonna go vegan overnight well no kidding we have never said that there's a there's a blog post that says a pop quiz you know they we know that change is going to be incremental, vegan by vegan, then vegan community, which is going to have some influence, and then there's going to be, nobody says the world's going to go vegan overnight. I mean, it's just, oh my God, it's just so frustrating. It's like, I, I've said it 50 different ways. I've tried saying it upside down and backwards and sideways, and it's just the same stuff coming back. I don't really think 
I can say it any other way. And I'm talking, when I talk about this, I'm talking about when I'm trying to debate or when I'm trying to engage or converse or however you want to put it with other activists in New Zealand. I'm just going to talk about New Zealand mostly, okay? Because this is where I am. And I do believe that you, you know, I do believe in doing activism where you are, galvanizing your community. And I believe in hands-on. So this whole thing about how we're unrealistic no nobody's paying attention nobody's paying attention there's a lot of new vegans coming out they know nothing about the history of the animal movement they're not willing to read any books they're not willing to even read the new books by gary and anna anna charlton by gary francis and anna charlton which are a quarter a th an sixth or a seventh of the size of gary francis original books I want you to read, I want you to read the original books, read the original books, and read the little books, okay, okay, but read the original books, but no, they don't want to do that, it's, it's a new world we live in, it's a world of tweets, it's a world of this, it's a world of that, okay, fine, they know nothing about it, so they think they're coming into this whole radical thing, and they're walking right back into the status quo, because, you know, there is, veganism is taking off, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to keep track of all my thoughts, because I have all of these points that I want to make, and this is another one of those podcasts where I'm getting really... Um, agitated <laughs> and my points are all over the place and I don't know if it's going to be a cohesive whole but they're all interrelated okay so where was I I was talking about the history of the movement I was talking about this whole um, you know incremental incremental so okay so let's stick on that for the moment don't get sidetracked so we know that change is incremental we know that what we're saying, okay, I, I don't even need to do this because everybody listening to my podcast already knows what I'm about to say. I've said it a million times. Okay, fine. Let me move on to a specific situation, which is something I don't know if I've actually articulated in my podcast before because it is a tactic to try to get you to feel guilty. When I first came to New Zealand as a new vegan, but as an abolitionist approach vegan. Still learning though, still making some mistakes, still not really understanding about single issue campaigns. I hadn't read all the books yet. In fact, I hadn't read any of the books. I'd listened to Gary when he was interviewed on the Vegan Freeze podcast. I had read his blogs and um, I had listened to the debate with Eric Marcus. And then I had a Gary Francione on my podcast I think it was episodes like 13 and 14. So this was eight years ago or seven and a half years ago now. And then, of course, I started to read the books because I just hadn't read them. And then what happened is I got them in the... I actually didn't really have any money and I got them... I got the Auckland Library to buy them and then I got them out of the library. But I also was gifted some of the books, which was a lovely, wonderful gift. So I actually own some of them, but most of them I read from the Auckland Library. And then when I read that, that was when I really got it. Oh, right, I'll just make a brief mention about that. Sorry, just want to go back to that. So nobody wants to read, and they say theory doesn't matter, and Gary Francione wrote a blog about that, because it does matter, because what he said, and he's right, is that theory informs everything. You just don't know it. So when people say, especially all these new vegans, are saying, you need a little bit of everything. We need a bit of everything. You can't just do vegan activism. You have to do a little bit of everything. That's a theory that you're proponing. Propo what is the word? Proposing? whatever that's a theory where did you get that theory from well maybe you didn't go to a library maybe you didn't give, read an animal rights book but you got that from somewhere and I guarantee you, you got it from the community which you're that you're working in which is the animal welfare single issue community there's a lot more vegan activism going on in that community but it's not unequivocal it's there though we're going to get back to that as well so all of the stuff about how you know reading books is a waste of time and theory is a waste of time well, everything you do is based on a theory as well. Um, somebody probably wrote a book about it. Um, I do believe there are books written about it. Nick Cooney is his name, I think, wrote books all about it. Oh, yeah, he loves to write about that stuff, about how, well, I haven't read his book, but he mostly writes, you know. It's all about, these are people who make money. These are people who make money. So the volunteers are the ones who I want to reach. I want to reach those volunteers. But there's a lot working against me, and a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I've learned a lot from my inter previous interactions with people when I first came back to New Zealand, and I was very naive. I was extremely naive. Um, 
So if I could do it all again, I would do it differently, but I can't. So here I am dealing with the aftermath. And anyway, all of those people are kind of still there, but then we have all this whole new generation of vegans. And there are so many more new vegans in New Zealand. I mean, the veganism is taking off. We all know this. There's vegan restaurants, there's vegan, 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 right? And, um, and what happens is they get embraced by the welfarist community and they get sucked into it because it's massive, it's heavily funded, it's heavily publicized, it's easy, it's easy stuff because everything's done for you, you can get a thousand signatures on your anti-rodeo um, thing, you put a petition out in the general public about anti-rodeos and you're going to get endless amounts of signatures because they don't have to do anything. The people signing it don't go to rodeos, okay? They do, however, wear leather, wool, eat eggs, I mean, blah, 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 right? So it's it's a lot of it is that they want this quick fix, they want this quick satisfaction, they, they reckon they have an understanding of social change. The, if, sadly, if you're getting instant gratification and heaps and heaps of pets on the back, you're probably not really challenging the status quo. I mean, there's a hint. If you are getting nothing but yeehaw, I'm in, hate to tell you, but you're probably right smack bang in the status quo, reinforcing it, you know? So that's why in Auckland, there's like five abolitionists, you know, that I can think of. They're my friends. I don't really have very many friends because a lot's changed since I went vegan, especially abolitionist approach vegan. Um, there might be more, but I don't know, really know about them. Um, there might be six. I can't, I'm not going to sit here and da-da-da. But that's the point. So that's another thing about the new activists is, um, you know, they come to meet us and then it's just three of us or two of us or maybe just me. And then they're like, where's your events? What are you doing? And I'm like, this is what we do. This is it. It's just us on this little table, and I'm hardly doing it at all. I mean, there are people who do it every single week. Vanda Caras and Christian Sanchez and other people do it every single week in California where they live. I mean, that is, like, uh, beautiful. I mean, I am nothing compared to those people. And, um, but still, it's still just the two of them. I mean, their stuff, or the three, or four, you know, whoever. Um, but, um... There, uh, there is stuff all over California, animal activism, where you get 20, 30 people. I mean, if, you know, if you're a person who needs, you know, you need that comfort of the group experience and you don't, you, you know, you don't really feel comfortable going out there alone, it's a problem because we are, like, the minute that you embrace abolitionist approach veganism and you stop going along with the status quo and you become a radical and you challenge the status quo, yes, you're going to be in the minority, in the vast, vast minority, because we still are, you know, but uh, I can't, I mean, I, you know, I would love to be having big, big groups of people and the street stall every single week, and if I can't make it, I know somebody else is going to be able to do it, and we've got all of these people helping, and there's street stalls everywhere, but it's just not that way, but I will never be able to go to this animal welfare movement, it is a different movement, and I, it, it is, no, it's, it's not, you, you can't unite with that. I can't unite with that. I can't unite with something that I believe is morally wrong just because they call themselves animal activists and say we're all part of the same movement. We are not. I'm sorry, but we're not. It's not the same. It's not the same. All right, it's like if you go back in history, it's like the abolitionists against slavery and the regulationists. They were on different sides of the fence and they acknowledged that. What drives me nuts is that the animal movement won't acknowledge it. They won't acknowledge that we are on different sides of the fence and it's either they don't understand because they haven't read the books or they haven't listened to us. They haven't read anything that we've said. They're only hearing and listening from the group that they're in who's getting misinterpreted, deliberately twisted information from the career welfareists who want more than anything for them not to read Gary Francione's books. I mean, that's why when Gary Francione wrote Rain Without Thunder, he was blacklisted. Nobody wanted him to read to read, you know, um, nobody wanted anyone to read his books. You know, there, there are people who make a living off of this. It is their career. They're not going to change their careers. They're not going to stop becoming careerists. So I don't worry about them. I worry about the volunteers. 
safe in New Zealand, there's, I don't know how many paid employees are, but I looked on the charity's website because I was curious before I, you know, I'm really bad at research and I don't throw, I'm not good with numbers and I exaggerate terribly. So I'll say like millions and trillions when it's actually thousands, you know? So I tried to sort of keep accurate and I said, let me really, really look at this. And I, I went on the charity's website and if I remember correctly, and I think I do, their wages for the year, and this is the most recent, so their yearly salaries that they have to pay is something like six hundred and something thousand dollars. Um, like, yeah, six hundred plus six hundred thousand dollars above that. Don't know how much above. Maybe it was six hundred and sixty. I can't really remember. Or maybe it was right around that. But either way, that's how much salary they need to raise. And this is just the paid employees. This is nothing else. This is not any kind of money. This is just their salaries. So I don't know how many people that's divided amongst, so I don't know exactly what people are earning, but, you know, they can't raise their money on their own. They, you know, those, let's pretend it's seven people, right? Let's pretend it's seven people and they get $600,000 between them. Or let, let's even say it's, let's even say it's 15 people and they get $600,000 between them per year. S you know, 16 people are not going to be able to raise $600,000 a year. They need their volunteers to do their fundraising for them. That's what the volunteers are for. And they need their campaigns for the volunteers to fundraise at. And the rodeo campaign is just one of those campaigns. They have the cage fear campaign. They have the crate, sow crate campaign or the gestation crate campaign or whatever it was called. I don't know. Um, and that's the bottom line. And the thing is, is that those volunteers have safety in numbers. There's tons of them. And like I said, if you want to become an abolitionist, if you, if you want to focus on animal rights 100%, and not just the rights of some animals, just because you're fighting for the rights of the animals in the rodeo, you can't, that's, you can't be that arbitrary. That is not animal rights. That is just rodeo protesting. Okay, those are just those particular, I mean, those cows in the rodeo, maybe half of them would have become cows to be made into beef, or I don't know how they breed rodeo cows. I mean, the farmers know. I mean, post something on a page that has the wrong kind of cow on it, and you'll have a thousand farmers on your page. I've experienced that. The wrong photo of the wrong type of cow, or it's like a cow from another country, and they don't understand the farming practices in those countries. It's amazing, but Anyway, so I do try to reach the volunteers, but I, I don't, you know, I need volunteers who are willing to go out on a limb and who are willing to really pare it down and be really in the minority, really, really out there. And um, unfortunately, most don't want to criticize the other animal activists because they do not embrace fully animal rights. I'm sorry, that is my position. If you are not able to criticize this unbelievable speciesism in all these campaigns, there are so many of them, just look at any welfareist group, if you're un unable to and willing to confront that and to criticize it, then you are not even confronting your own speciesism. Um, that's my opinion. That is my opinion. And, um, yeah, so you just have to, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's definitely going to happen. There are more and more people. I mean, the abolitionist movement, the abolitionist approach movement has grown hugely and it has influenced, it has influenced. Um, that was one thing that Wayne got right in the podcast was it has made a lot of influence and, um, you do see these changes, but there's still just all of this career stuff. So my point that I'm trying to make today is, I remember when I first came to New Zealand and I was very naive and I really didn't know what I was doing and this was, this was talking to other activists. This was not airing the dirty laundry in public. This was on a private vegans chat, vegan email. So I wasn't out there. I started doing my podcast and you could say airing my dirty laundry. And even then I was still kind of new to the game and I was still kind of, I mean, I was all alone. I had just gone vegan not that long before. I had left all my friends in New York who were my dear friends. You ever have friends? I mean, these are the friends I could show up at three in the morning soaking wet from a rainstorm, having just been through some terrible experience from whatever and knock on the door and my friend would open the door and we would go in and we would have coffee and there's a time, like, I could ring, a th I mean, this is, you know, the real friends, you know, the ones who are really there for you. 
And when I went vegan, I just lost them. And I don't mean that they ran away from me. I mean, I, I couldn't... I mean, I left New York really quickly afterwards anyway, but I'm not in touch with anyone anymore. I have a really, really hard time getting close to people who aren't vegan. Um, I have a hard time getting close to people who are not abolitionist approach vegans, but I do have a really hard time getting close to people who aren't vegan. In fact, I don't get close to people who aren't um, vegan. And um, so I was, you know, I'd come here from that. I still was in touch with a lot of my friends, but I'd come here from that. I was trying to reach out to all the vegans in New Zealand because I'd only just gone vegan. I didn't know any other vegans in New York except for maybe one who I don't even really know if she was vegan or not, to be honest. I don't think she really was, or maybe she was, but I don't know. But um, we were never really that close anyway, probably because I wasn't vegan. I don't know. And um, so I was desperately reaching out. And, um, and then when I, and then I thought, you know, you know, if anybody can, and I, and I, what I did was I said, have any of you heard of the abolitionist approach? Have you, any of you heard of Gary Francione? And the answer was no. So I'm like, oh, beautiful, fantastic, great. You know, I'm going to just tell them about this. They're going to just read this and they're going to be like, wow, you know, totally. And we're all going to get together and we're all going to promote veganism and we're all going to read Gary's books together and oh, it's just going to be wonderful. Well, that was incredibly naive of me. The resistance was incredible. And then, of course, I got really upset. I did. And then people got upset with me. And I remember um, what they started to do because I was making points because this is just stuff that I'd learned that made absolute sense. It was just factual, logical, realistic stuff. And they did not want to hear it. And one of the things was that I was a new vegan. I'd only been vegan for only not even a year, I don't think. I mean, I went vegan in like November, October, November 2007. I should say I made the decision to go vegan because, of course, I still kept doing non-vegan stuff, not knowing that it wasn't like drinking wine without checking the ingredients, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I decided to go vegan in like... Well, I actually decided to go vegan before that, but I still had some eggs and stuff in the fridge, and I still had heaps of leather and stuff. But I was like, yeah, I'm going to go vegan. I'm just going to, like, eat the last of these eggs. But once all that's done, I'm going to... And then I watched the Earthlings film, and I was, um, I was uh, uh, nauseated uh, by the eggs in my fridge, and I, and I threw them out. But I was living with someone who wasn't vegan, so I was continued to be nauseated. But so that... that Let's just say I went vegan around that time. So when I came to New Zealand, it was only a few months later, and I instantly started reaching out. So I came in with, and I was like, this is so beautiful. They haven't heard of, you know, and I came in and saw the stuff that they were doing. And I was like, oh, that explains it. You know, they haven't heard of Gary Francie, and that's why. They just have to, you know, read this stuff, and then everything's going to change. They're going to, like, oh, you know, they're going to stop all that other stuff because that doesn't make any sense, and this makes all the sense in the world, and this is going to be a beautiful thing, you know, I wasn't taking any credit for anything, I was like, hey, you haven't heard about this guy, because, you know, we're all the way in New Zealand, and I also knew, because I'd listened to the podcast with Gary Francione and Eric Marcus, where Gary was like, you know, they were hot, they completely tried to shut him down and blacklist him, and, um, you know, he was, he was blacklisted, basically, and that was before internet, that was before all of that stuff, so he was basically shut down, and um, but I learned about him in 2007, sorry, I learned about him in 2000, and, yeah, I learned about him in, what did I say, yeah, November, October 2007, the website had come out maybe a year before, but Vegan Freaks had been going long, going strong, um, but coming back to New Zealand, I just was so naive, and then I remember, so then it got really, oh, it was like one of the worst experiences of my life, and this is all... Wayne Chung will be pleased to know in private within the animal community on this vegans chat. And I didn't start doing my podcast until a year later in 2009 because I had given up on the New Zealand vegan community by that point. I was like, well, that's not going anywhere. I'm just going to have to do it by myself. And because I had nobody to talk to, because I had nothing in common with those people apart from the food that we ate and the clothes that we wore, you know what I mean? I mean, I did have, you know, I shouldn't say that. Obviously, we had in common that we personally did not want to participate in that animal use anymore. That's what a vegan does. So I had that in common with them, yes. 
but that doesn't go very far when you are talking about beyond that when you're talking about activism when you're talking about the position you take when you're talking about getting behind an idea something you believe in everything that they were doing with the campaigns and everything contradicted their own belief that animals are not here for us to use and I could not get past that and they thought that I was this you know some of these people that I was arguing with had been vegan for like 27 years and as far as they were concerned I knew nothing well I'm sorry you might know more than me if you've been vegan for 27 years and I've been vegan for a few months, for example, I didn't know that Chelsea Sugar was vegan until somebody, like I mentioned on my podcast, like I only just learned about bone chow and I was like, oh, white sugar. And then somebody who'd been vegan for a while was like, God, don't you know that? And I was just like, okay, whatever, give me a break. Fine. But I just wanted them to read Gary Frontier's books and listen to his podcast. But they were, you know, the leaders of this groups, a lot of it was controlled by SAFE. SAFE have been around in New Zealand for 80 years now or more. I think when I moved here, it was like 76 years. I Googled it once. So um, I did not have any idea what I was up against. I really, really didn't. So that's when I started airing my dirty laundry, as Wayne would say, in public because I was losing my mind. I was not doing any activism because all the activism that I could join was welfareist or single issue. And I wasn't going to do that. And then I thought, well, what am I going to do, you know, all by myself with no support? And I found out that I actually could just go downtown with a table and talk to people. So that's what I started doing. Okay. And it saved my sanity. And doing my podcast saved my sanity because it also put me in touch with other abolitionists, approached vegans around the world, some of whom have now done that thing where I say where they turn around and start to um, denigrate or ignore or erase Gary Francione but back in the day they were also promoting the work and la 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 so it was great so the podcast was great and I was talking to people at my job I was a temp and I was having a good like I talked about that last time and then I kind of got this other permanent job I went to uni and I was very vocal there but well I went to get a diploma in, in interpreting and translating and then I got my job at um the job that I had for six years, and then I kind of stagnated. I was doing my street stall semi-regularly, though, nothing compared to all these other people around the world. They're amazing. But I was doing it enough that I was feeling like I was doing something, you know. Um, and um, there was hardly any new people at work, and I didn't really have anywhere to go there in terms of it. But So, yeah, so that all happened. But one of the things that those people said to me, one of the people said to me when I was on this vegan chat thing when I first came back to New Zealand was like you know you're totally discouraging me from doing anything I'm not going to do any activism anymore because of you and that was an attempt to make me to shut me up to shut me up that's what that was because I'm not responsible for what you do um, whether you continue to do activism or not I'm not responsible but I was kind of new and of course I thought well here they are in front of all of the people in New Zealand pointing the finger at me and saying, you know, you're going, you're, you're doing a bad thing because I used to be really active and now I'm not going to do anything and it's all because of you. And that was a little bit like what Wayne says in the podcast as well, if you listen carefully. Well, I just want to revisit that because I, that is just this ongoing thing. You know what? I hope that person is not doing any of those activities. I hope they stopped. Now, first of all, I don't think I have that kind of power over anyone, and you shouldn't give me that kind of power over you. I mean, you can't give me that kind of power over you. You make that decision, right? And number two, if you're going to give me that power over you, then why not go out and do unequivocal vegan activism, which is what I was saying to do. I wasn't saying stop all activism. But no, 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 no. You're not going to do that. You're going you're gonna to sit around and sulk and say, I'm not doing anything anymore and it's all your fault and I'm supposed to feel bad about that because I refuse to shut up. I refuse to shut up. I'm not going to shut up. You're not going to shut me up with that. And it's another thing. It's like, you know, you can't take responsibility for other people's actions. You can take responsibility for your own actions, but that's a twisted thing that they do is what they say is that your actions have this knock-on effect and the way that you are and the way that you're behaving is affecting me. Okay, I acknowledge that. Obviously, that is a truth. So I saw that when, when they said that to me, I did feel bad because I was like, oh, so I, you know, have upset this person. I've upset them. And I don't want to upset people uh, to, uh, for the sake of upsetting them. 
but you know I'm a I'm a bit more down the line now and I realize that you know most of the time it's a, it's a the re, the reason they're upset is because truth truth hurts basically but what I want to say now is that so we've got all of these new people going vegan in New Zealand they join the welfareist movement they get sucked, swept up in it and they're liking all the vegan pages and I'm pretty sure because my Facebook page has been there and my Facebook page is called NZ Vegan and there are other Facebook pages now like NZ Vegan this NZ Vegan that I have nothing to do with those Facebook pages but I deliberately called myself NZ Vegan because that's what I kind of took I was like NZ Vegan podcast and then I had a website, and I developed my website later, but um, now there's all this NZ Vegan. So what I think, and then, and, and what I'm trying to say is like, there was nobody from New Zealand who liked my Facebook page. A couple of times, all the same people who I'd finished arguing with. So what happened is, I left that vegans chat group, for obvious reasons. I stopped communicating with any of those people. And I just did my podcast, and then I started my Facebook page. Eventually, I can't even remember what year it was, but it wasn't like in the beginning. Like, I didn't even want to do Facebook at all, but somebody was like, you should go on Facebook. You know, everybody's on Facebook. So I did. And I started my NZ Vegan Facebook page. And then when I came out publicly, and I would publicly criticize, because I tried it in private. I'm so sorry to tell you, I tried. Did not work. So, um, and I needed a place to, to go to try to, be in a neutral situation where it was my space and I could control what was done because I went into this vegans chat group and I was like against the whole vegans chat group. So if you imagine somebody trying to, I don't know, with tiny, tiny little fingers trying to swim against a really, really strong current and you only got your little fingers to do it, that's kind of what happened. But now I had a page where I could put what I wanted, and yeah, people could come on and debate, and I welcomed that, and they did in the beginning, but they would leave pretty quickly, because um, they wouldn't get what they wanted out of me, which was to shut me up, I wasn't going to do it, so my Facebook page just kind of stayed there, and the only people who, like, were on it, were people from the international community, nobody from New Zealand, hardly at all, then I noticed, and I think the last couple of years, all of a sudden, I was getting all these um, people liking my page, and I was like, that looks like a New Zealander, and I would go, and it was a New Zealander, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting, but I think what happened is a lot of, you know, these new vegans, and they're young, so there's a lot of young new vegans, I mean, it's a beautiful thing, it's just sad that they're all being sucked into the single issue stuff, especially the single issue stuff, mostly, I think I think that the critique, you know, a lot of the tide has turned in terms of the new young people as far as I'm concerned, a lot of the tide has turned against the welfareism. So that's we have made headway there. I think a lot of them do get like when I say welfareism, single issue to me is part of that, but when I say welfareism I mean like cage free eggs or pork, you know, crate free pork and all this kind of stuff. A lot of the people who don't like my criticism of single issue campaigns agree completely about treatment-based campaigns because they think the single issue is a, an abolitionist campaign like a, a rodeo campaign or the fur campaign but they don't you know they don't equate it as the same or as having the same issues the same problems or being part of the same problem as for example a cage-free egg campaign or whatever but don't get me wrong there's still tons of support for the cage-free egg campaigns and um you know and for this for safe the new zealand animal welfareist group um be all powerful, you know, um, but um, but anyway, so all these uh, all these new likes, and I was like, that's really interesting. Let's see what happens because what I think happened is we've got all these new vegans. They're young, so they're on Facebook, they're on this, they're on that, and they're just going around Facebook and liking everything that has to do with NZ Vegan or whatever city they're in, and they don't realize that I'm an outlier and that my page is, <laughs> you know, I'm like on the other side of the fence from all the other pages because I am. So, um, so then they get a big shock <laughs> when I post something, which I haven't been doing all year, hardly, because I've been in university and it has been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, um, even the little tiny bits of activity that I used to get on my pages, my page is not like the most active page in the world. It's really like nothing compared to a lot of other pages. I just do it because it's there and I want to just do it. But, um, it's very rare that I'll have like a, sometimes crazy things happen, like this one, this one thing, I'm not, I'll do the talk about that in another podcast, that was 
amazing. But most of the time it's really quiet. But then, and I've been posting the same stuff over and over again. So you, 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 what I used to do is post heaps and heaps of stuff from Gary Francione's page. Um, I don't post that much stuff in general anymore. And I also found, sadly, that if I did a share, like a, I, my, everything's in Spanish to me. I'm sure in English it's a share. It's compartir. So like I hit compartir and that means, and I'm pretty sure that the English version of Facebook, it would be like share. And if I'd share it from Gary Francie on the Abolitionist Approach page and it comes up as a, then I would get hardly any, like you can see on your page, you can see how many views you get and stuff. I wouldn't get any views. It was weird because I think that most of the people who wanted to view that were people who were already on Gary Francione's page. They're like, oh, well, I saw it on his page. So I'm not going to link into that. And I didn't do it on purpose, it just sort of, this year I kind of just stopped doing anything on Facebook. And then I noticed if I would just randomly do something, or I would link to something that he'd linked to, or an article but it wasn't from his page, I would suddenly get all these different views. So I don't know what that's about, I think it might have something to do with Facebook and just the fact that if you've already seen it on that one page, you're not going to see it on another. So I'm trying to get, my goal is to drive people to the abolitionist approach, the, the work the work, the source of the work, the, the ideas. My goal has always been that this podcast has been about that. I think I said it on my fourth episode. If, if the only thing that this podcast does is you can turn it off right now if you've never heard of Gary Francione. You can turn this podcast off right now and go straight to his Facebook page and listen to all of the audio on there and order his books from the Auckland Library or wherever library you're at. Just get the books. I will be happy. You don't have to listen to this podcast at all. But um, So that's basically my goal is to get people to that work. Um, but, um, anyway, what I'm trying to say is, so I had all these likes and then, um, and I've always posted this kind of stuff on my page, but I never had anybody in New Zealand looking at my page before. So I recently posted something that is just a normal thing for me to post, which complained about the rodeo campaign and how useless and, um, speciesist it is and how frustrating it is to me to see it go on and on. And, um, normally... I would do a post like that, it was a very typical post from me, and I would get like likes from people all over the world, you know, who are abolitionists approach vegans, and nobody in New Zealand would pay any attention, because all the people who I'd, who, who are the careerists, or who are the long-time welfareists in New Zealand, who are starting things, and they're doing groups, and there's like the vegan magazine, and all of these people, they're really involved in that, and they just don't pay attention to anything that I'm doing, because... I'm nothing. I mean, I'm just this one little person, like, like a little squeak in the corner, me, 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 me. They just drown me out. They don't care about me. And, um, but there's all these new vegans who are really supporting them and getting heaps of information from them. Like I said, if you've got like 50 people on this, well, 50 pages on this one side, and then you've got this one little page on the other, you don't realize that they're different until, and so I posted it. And then I got a few uh, comments from people who I'd never, because what happened is those other people, they stopped even coming to my page and arguing with me. They were just like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not going to bother with that anymore. But the new people who are liking all the news that ended vegan, like vegan, 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 and then they see me and they do get a shock. They say, what? How can you be, you know, criticizing SAFE? And how can you be criticizing this amazing activism, you know, that this rodeo campaign and all this kind of stuff? And so I got um, a few people who were very upset and um, it wasn't a huge amount. I mean, it wasn't like I got this major, major blowout, but I was like, oh, okay. Um, I don't know why everybody's getting all surprised by it because this is the position that I've been <laughs> putting forth from the beginning. Just scroll around the page a little bit. But um, yeah, these things happen. And it brought me back to that time when, then when I, on top of that, when I listened, because a lot of people were saying, you know, well, what, some of the objections were, well, as well as doing this, we're also doing vegan activism. The vegan activism that they were talking about is stuff I've talked about before. I did a podcast about one-way activism, where you're wearing masks, like there's like the anonymous, voiceless one, and then I think that one is in line with what's called Cube of Truth one. It's the same thing, I think, as you wear the mask, you show the videos. So I've talked about that in another podcast, so I'll post a link. But um, they're saying, so we're doing this and we're doing that. And I'm like, yeah, that's the problem. So back before, they weren't doing anything about veganism. It was only this other stuff. And now they're doing stuff about veganism, but they're also doing all this other stuff. And I'd like to know. And, I, and, I, and, um, and even the other stuff is usually links to a lot of welfareers groups. I mean, welfareers groups will try to make money off of anything, everything and anything. They have to pay their bills. So... Um, so I, I did sort of see that, and I thought, oh, okay. And so 
I don't know what happened. Maybe a bunch of people like unliked my page, you know, all these people that are like, oh, I don't want to like that page. I want to like all these pages over here where everybody loves each other, pats each other on the back and says, yeah, good job. You protested the rodeo. <laughs> Yay. You know, whatever. I don't know. You, you just protested against the chicken factory rather than, you know, just acknowledging that all animal use is wrong and, you know, there's no difference between the chicken factory and all the other chicken use. But anyway. So um, I'm not sure what's, what's, what's happening there. But um, what I want to say, I'm finally getting to my point 45 minutes into my podcast, is that I realized today, actually, because I listened to the debate with Wayne, um, Shung, Gary, Francione, and Bob Linden in the car on the way to my unpaid job. And, oh my gosh, it just brought up so much stuff because it was just the same old stuff. And, um, and I thought you know what, what I've really realized is I do want people to stop. Like, if you come to me and say, you know, you have m made me feel bad and I'm not going to do this rodeo pro um, protesting anymore. In fact, I'm not going to do anything anymore and it's all your fault. I'm going to say, good, don't do it, fine. You know, I won't really take the blame for your deciding to take that action, but I'm happy for you to stop. Please stop. I want you to stop. That I want people to stop doing that. I'm sad that they won't say, well, instead of doing that, I will do vegan activism. But I think they realize now, especially having seen around, you know, unless you haven't got your eyes open very wide, you haven't seen how, because we're on the other side of the fence and we're in the vast minority, you are going to be kind of all in a really small little group. You're not going to have this big, huge group of people around you. Um, not yet. It will happen eventually. I really do believe that, but it's not going to happen now. And you are going to be part of a very small group if you if you embrace the abolitionist approach and um, only do 100% vegan activism. Even if you're one of those people who do that, but never, ever, 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 ever criticize the other groups, and there are people out there who do that as well. But everybody loves them. They're really, really popular because they stay extremely quiet. They are completely silent about the speciesism in the animal movement. One of them is Vegan Sidekick. His cartoons are very satirical about non-vegans and extremely popular comic. But there is, and there's all this stuff making fun of happy products, I believe. I don't like, you know, like, oh, it's a joke, like, well, you know, humane slaughter or whatever like that. But there is a zero mention of the part that the animal movement plays in that, which is wrong, and this is why we should speak out about it. They won't do it. So they have the support from all the welfare students. The welfare can say, well, I support unequivocal vegan activism. Look over here. You know, we are never going to change things if we don't get rid of animal welfare activism and single-issue campaigns. Because they do so much damage. So yes, I want you to stop. And if you want to come and point the finger at me and go and sit and sulk and do nothing and then blame it on me, if that, if that means that you stop doing an anti-rodeo campaign, good. I'm happy. Because that anti-rodeo campaign is doing nothing but harm. Because it is reinforcing the idea that there are worse animal uses and better animal uses and that you can be a morally better person if you don't go to the rodeo but you do everything else which is not even mentioned, not even challenged at all. That is harmful. That reinforces these hierarchies and these hierarchies and it completely continues to perpetuate this idea that it's about treatment. And that to me and my experience as an activist has bolstered that, it has reinforced that for me, it has never been questioned in my personal experience as an activist out there in the streets, which I have been, maybe not as much as other people, but I have done it, and I, can, and I know what we're dealing with. We have to clean up the mess of that. So yeah, please stop, and if you want to say that I'm destroying, destroying you know, all your motivation, well, if your motivation is to do single issue campaigning, good. I want to destroy that motivation because it is harmful. You cannot continue to reinforce those hierarchies and think that it's doing a good thing. You know, and a lot of people don't realize, and if they would listen to Gary Francione's original podcast over and over again, 
the quote is we've had animal welfare for more than 200 years and it ain't leading to the abolition of anything we've had animal welfare for over 200 years and there are more animals being used in more horrific ways now than any time in human history that is a fact that is not hyperbole that is a fact okay animal welfare doesn't work it's harmful it creates this entire problem that we're dealing with with this society of speciesism and compassionate exploitation and single issue campaigns are a direct part of that because they target uses i mean apart from the whole coalition issue which if you listen to the podcast with wayne shung Gary Francione and Bob Lind and Gary talks about the coalition that's needed and that's a very important point and there's also um, a link, I'll link to, it, to that. But um, it's harmful. You know, I would love nothing more than to be able to unite with all the other vegans. I would love nothing more than to be able to, to not criticize these movements. But as far as I'm concerned, it's necessary, it's important and it's the right thing to do. And I... I'm happy for the public to see that, quote, dirty laundry. I want the public to know that there are two movements. I want the public to know that there is a movement of people who utterly opposes the speciesist activities done in the name of animal rights all around the world that has been done for decades and decades and millions and millions and millions of dollars have been made off it. I want the public to know that. I tell people that at my store. I am very quick at my store to tell people I oppose SAFE because SAFE is like the animal welfare group in New Zealand but they are known as the animal rights group because as we know that term is being, you know, it's been co-opted a long time ago. And I love nothing more than to explain to people what my position is and why I oppose those people. And yes, they are surprised because they don't realize that. They think that all animal movement is about treatment. They think that all animal activism is about getting rid of worst abuses and making treatment more humane. That's what they all think. And I want them to know that that's not the way it should be and that we need so I'm happy for that. I am happy to dissuade people. I'm happy to discourage people from doing that. I'm sorry, but that's my position. So yeah, that's the way it is. So going back to this whole, we need a bit of this and we need a bit of that. So in the last few years, including in New Zealand, because of the agitation of the abolitionist approach vegans and because of the new vegans coming out who are influenced by that, whether they know it or not, there are, is a call for vegan activism. It's never a call for unequivocal vegan activism. That's the problem, but there is a call for vegan activism. There's lots of vegan activism going on. Well, there's lots more than there used to be. Now, it's by people who are doing a little bit of everything, but they are doing some vegan activism. And even, and then, you know, and there's this huge, like, growth, like this explosion in veganism in New Zealand compared to before there was all that going on, before the agitation, before the people started to, even SAFE, you know, because of the protests from some of their volunteers who were troubled by some of the criticisms and who had heard of some of the criticisms, maybe. Um, and so they have to speak up both sides of us. So they are doing a little bit. And even with that, and I, and at first I remember I had a podcast where I was worried about that because I remember like on the podcast with Wayne Chung and Gary Francione, he talks about how this, I mean, for goodness sake, he's talking about a fur march and it's like, I understand the property status, but we're going to do a fur ban. No, you don't know anything about the property status. Nothing. Nothing at all. You can't compare it to gay rights. You can't compare it to women's rights because we're talking about persons, not things. Animals are still things. And we need to abolish the property status. You can't compare those things. You can only compare it to the slavery movement. And he did accidentally say that, but then he quickly said another movement because he, yeah, he realized he talked about gay rights or something and tried to compare it. So he just proved he knows nothing about the property status. But anyway, he's talking about this fur match and he's saying, so, you know, thanks to your influence, we're going to have vegan signs there. And I'm like, I wish you wouldn't. I wish you wouldn't. And people might say, why? Why? I don't want veganism to be associated with anti-fur campaigning, single-issue campaigning like that. I don't want the general public to think that veganism is that fur is worse than everything else. And that's what that does, doesn't it? You tell me. If you see an anti-fur protest and you see vegan associated with that, how are you not going to think that veganism is about well, fur is worse than all the other animal uses. How are you not going to think that? Please put down your vegan signs if you're going to do a fur protest. I'm serious. 
I really, really mean that. I want nothing to do with, I want veganism to have nothing to do with these speciesist, single-issue campaigns that reinforce these hierarchies of oppression. Everybody acknowledges that there are worse and better things that happen within oppression, okay? But that shouldn't be, the fo if you're focusing on treatment, then you're focusing on that. If you're focusing on use, you're not. So number one, fur isn't worse anyway, but let's talk about, you know, let's talk about the old analogy of, let's say you're a human and you have some sex slaves, which does happen now. Nobody goes on and publicly defends it, but it does happen. But let's say you have them and you have one slave, you know, sex slave owner over here and he beats every day his slaves. He doesn't feed them properly. They're very malnourished and he verbally abuses them. And then you have another sex slave owner. He doesn't beat his slaves very often, just every now and then. He makes sure they have good nutrition and most of the time he kind of tries to talk talk nice to them, probably grooming them and trying to make them feel like they're good. Is the one who beats them worse than the other one? Well, yeah, but it kind of misses the point, doesn't it, right? Listen to the debate with Gary Francione and Eric Marcus. So, no, I don't want you to have your vegan signs at the fur protest, Wayne. Can you please just not do that? Just have a vegan event, alright? And forget the single issue stuff. They're not going to. You can't make money off it. You can't get a lot of support off it. You can't make a career off it. You can't get a lot. You can't get a lot of support. We are the outliers right now. Still, it's going to change, but it is the way it is. And people don't. They don't want to be part of that. They want to be part of the big group, the big popularity. You know, the all of that stuff, the comfort, the security, and of that. But. Even despite my protestations about that, there is still a rise in veganism. So maybe I shouldn't say, you know, take the vegan sign down because, you know, you know, like I said, it's this sort of thing. I mean, I just don't want there to be any anti-fur protests. I think if we get rid of every single welfarist and single-issue campaign on the planet in one day, because I always say things are going to happen overnight, don't you? But let's hypothetically say that. And we only have abolitionist vegan activism, abolitionist approach vegan activism. I still, even with the tiny amount of people who are doing it, right, I still feel like that's going to change the world. But it won't have to be going against the tide of reinforcing of speciesism and hierarchy and, and treatment and this use is worse and that use and everything. So it might even go faster, to be honest. Just get rid of all that stuff. Now, of course, what I really want is for all of that stuff to turn into unequivocal vegan activism. So in New Zealand, instead of 500 people doing anti-rodeo campaigning and three people doing an abolitionist vegan table once, at the moment, like once a year, it used to be a bit more regular than that, yeah, I want all those 500 people in their communities to do unequivocal vegan education. Yeah, ideally, but I really want them to stop the rodeo, rodeo campaigning. Yes, I do. And even, but even, so even those, even when you have this mixing up, like which we've had, like I said, the, the groups have realized that they have to do some vegan stuff because otherwise they're going to maybe lose volunteers. You can't have that, right? You need your volunteers, raise your money. So even with the little bits and pieces and the, uh, even with the confusion and even with the, the speciesism, veganism has still risen hugely in New Zealand. I mean, I cannot <laughs> take any credit for the rise in veganism in New Zealand. It has to be coming from somewhere. So there is more awareness because it is being done more by lots of other people. On the other hand, they're also doing all this rodeo stuff. So what's going to happen, and I know this, is they're going to look back and say, look, we did it to, like, they're going to say, look, well, we had the rodeo and the vegan activism and veganism grew. So it must be the combination. We had to have a little bit of everything. The proof is in the pudding. But what they're overlooking is that you had the rodeo stuff and all that other stuff for decades and decades and decades. And you had nothing. I mean, I came to New Zealand. There was one vegan restaurant in the whole country. There was no vegan options anywhere. There's now a vegan shoe store in Auckland. The Glengarry Wines has just now started finally to have a vegan section, a vegan wine section. I mean, I could go on and on and on about the difference that has happened in New Zealand since vegan activism came to New Zealand. Not since it was mixed together with other stuff. I mean, it has been mixed together with other stuff, but since vegan activism came. And then people say, oh no, it has to be together because look at the rise in veganism. It must be the mixture. 
they can't see that there's never, ever, 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 ever in the history of the planet been an unequivocal vegan movement. They can't comprehend a movement without all this other stuff. They've added veganism to it, a vegan activism to it, in a more, you know, like this, it's happening more and more in, in, different, in different ways, in dis disparate, disparate ways, and even that has made a difference. The vegan activism has made the rise in veganism, not the single issue campaigns and the welfareist campaigns, because those were going on for decades and decades and decades. And I'm a living witness because I came here in 2008, in February of 2008. And it is now, I, it is now February of 2018. It's been 10 years and the difference between now and then is huge. And I'm talking about vegan awareness, vegan availability. It is now more and more and more. It is so, so, so easy compared to 10 years ago in New Zealand to have ease of access to, to vegan awareness, vegan things, and even just convenience-wise, right? It was still easy 10 years ago to be vegan, but it's getting easier and easier in terms of even basic conveniences, such as where should we go for dinner, you know? So, um, and that's because of the vegan activism, okay? It's not because we have to do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and it all works together to change the world, no. But we will never know because we really don't know if we're ever going to have a 100% um, vegan movement. I think we're going to have a strong one. I think we're going to have a huge one, but I think there's always going to be welfare act activism. They're not going to give up their careers. These people are not going to quit their jobs and go get another job. They're just not going to do it. And as long as they have volunteers to raise their money for them, they're going to keep doing it. So we'll see what happens in the next decade or so. I have a lot of hope, but you know, my dream is for every single vegan in the entire planet to do unequivocal, that's the word, that's the word, unequivocal abolitionist approach veganism, preferably because it is anti-violence and it is anti-discrimination in the human context. It is opposed to racism, sexism. It's intersectional in the true meaning of the word. And it is non-violent, which I fully, 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 fully believe in. So, I mean, but I am not sitting here thinking that the world's going to go, that the animal world is going to go abolitionist vegan overnight. So why would I be sitting here thinking that the human non-vegan world is going to go vegan overnight? I mean, where are they getting that idea from? We never, ever, ever, ever say that. We know it's incremental. We know that change is slow. The point is, do you want to present a speciesist view or do you want to present a non-speciesist view and you can call yourself an anti-speciesist all you want but if you're supporting these welfareist groups and their single issue campaigns you are supporting and promoting speciesism and that's the bottom line so I think I've covered everything that I was gonna cover I'm almost out of breath <laughs> you can tell I really needed to get that off my chest eh? <laughs> yeah um, I feel so much better and yeah, I know that's very selfish and self-indulgent of me. I've been upfront from the very beginning that this podcast is about me. Um, but I do hope that other people can relate. I do know that there are other people out in the world who feel these same frustrations. I'm a big believer in counseling and support and, um, you know, sharing feelings <laughs> and, um, and understandings and, and having robust conversations. And I just hope that there are people out there who are sitting there just saying, yeah, I I feel your pain, and I'm with you, you know, and I know there are, so that's really good. I really want the people who I want to listen to this podcast are the, all the volunteers who are supporting the welfareist groups and the single-issue campaigns here to listen, but they're not going to. Um, I mean, I doubt that they will, um, but if you are listening, I really hope that you listen to the ideas. Maybe you hate the sound of my voice, maybe you hate the picture of me on my Facebook page, or... Maybe you don't like me because I'm female or because I'm white and you're into, like, I don't know. But if you could remove me, please, and just focus on the ideas. You can reject those ideas, but please don't reject them because you don't like me. Because you don't actually know me. And it's really not about me. That's one thing, another thing I just want to end with. 
you know, we really need to get people focused on veganism and the animals and not vegans. We need to take the focus off the vegans. And that's sort of the thing I've been starting to say to people is like, it's not about, I mean, I've always said not about me or whatever, but I'm like, you know, forget about vegans. Think about the animals. Okay, that's what it's about. I mean, we all always say that. All right, I hope I covered everything. I hope I remember to link everything I said I was going to link. I'm always like, during my podcast, I'm like, I'll post a link to this and I'll post a link to that. And then I kind of forget what I said I was going to post a link to. So I hope it, I hope I didn't miss anything. If I did and you really want to know, please contact me. I will respond because I don't get hardly any people contacting me. So go ahead. There'll be, I will, you will, I will get your message because that will be the only one. And just say, hey, you said you'd post a link to such and such and you didn't please do, and I will happily do it. So thank you very, very, very much for listening, and here is to an abolitionist approach of vegan 2018, and forever and ever, and I will be back. Bye.